Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to Season 5 of Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. I'm the author of Owning It and The Confidence Kit, and my new book is called Naked, 10 Truths to Change Your Life, and it's all about the power of vulnerability and how... A willingness to be vulnerable can really make you invulnerable and of course that will bring down your anxiety levels massively too. Fittingly, my guest for this episode is Ali Ryan or Alexandra Ryan. She's the CEO and founder of a very prominent website here in Ireland called Goss.ie and she is here to share her very harrowing story of an experience around being publicly shamed that I don't know how anyone, even the strongest person in the world, I don't know how they would cope with it and the anxiety that it brought on. But more specifically, we talk about anxiety around what people will think of us, anxiety around being cancelled or the fear of being cancelled, anxiety around what you can control versus what you can't and Ali's story is incredible and what she's doing is incredible and it's going to help so many people and I do hope you enjoy. Thank you so much. I'm joined now by Alexandra Ryan. I can call you Ali, can I? course you can yeah but Alexandra <laughs> is such a beautiful name I really wanted to say your full name CEO of Goss.ie and founder and you've got many many strings to your bow um unfortunately the conversation we're having today is not about how incredible Goss is uh, and all your achievements but something not so nice that you had to experience and go through that led you to feel crippling anxiety and you say you're already an anxious person to begin with and um, so I really mm. want and I'm very grateful that you can share your story with us and hopefully we can give some solace to to listeners who are in a similar situation so thank you so much for joining me Ali. No problem thanks for having me on. Of course my pleasure and um, so I suppose just for a bit of context for anyone who isn't aware you recently shared an article on goss.ie and you did an interview with Brendan O'Connor on our national broadcaster here about an experience that you had where you were very much um dragged into a scenario of being publicly shamed without giving me too many details that are too personal or anything could you just sort of set the scene of, of how you got to where you are now yeah so basically a couple of weeks ago I published the piece and the reason I did is because new legislation has just come in and um, there's a new bill now that 
basically criminalizes the sharing um, and recording of intimate images without someone's consent. So it's really shocking to even say that this bill is only just passed. This was never illegal in the past. So up until December this year, it was completely legal for me to go into your house, Caroline, film you having sex and share it on YouTube. Nothing would have ever happened to me in terms of criminal Are you serious? Justice. Yeah, so I found out about this the hard way, I guess. Um, about five years ago, I had been seeing someone. We were kind of on and off. He was also on and off with somebody else. Um, and we had slept together consensually. We were both single at the time. Um, and a few weeks after we had slept together, I started getting calls from an anonymous caller. And I eventually answered the phone. I was in Greece with my sister on holiday. So I kind of ruined that holiday. But um, I got a call and it was a woman he had been seeing on and off, they were now back together. And she said she had found this tape of me and him having sex and that it looked terrible and suggested that people were going to see it. And basically that my life was going to be ruined. Now, I didn't believe it, obviously, at the start, because, you know, this woman had an issue with me. She kind of always had. So I thought it was lies. And because you weren't aware shock. that a video even existed, right? Yeah, I never in my life had I ever even sent a nude photo, let alone take part in a video like that. So I just presumed she was trying to wind me up. But during the call, she started, you know, actually outlining what was in the video, what I was wearing, what I was doing. And I recalled all of it. I knew exactly what she was talking about. But I still was like, this can't be right. She's obviously somehow made this up in her head. So I rang the man, but he admitted it straight away. He was like, yes, I filmed you. I shouldn't have done it. It was out with your consent. Like he fully owned up to everything. Um, and the big issue was now she had it. So in fairness, he never filmed it with the intent to share it. That doesn't make it right. I mean, this situation never would have happened if it wasn't for him doing this without my consent. Um, but she had the video then and basically just made my life a living hell for years to come after this because I didn't know that it was happening in the first place. And she knew that too. So she knew there was a video out there of me and him having sex that I didn't even know about it and in the days that came after that she was tweeting about the video she was insinuating it was going to be put up on YouTube that she was sharing it with her colleagues and I begged both of them I was like please like let's just not put this out there like you know I know you're angry I know you found something you don't like but please like don't do this to me and she just didn't care and it just got worse and worse and when I came back from Greece I realized that so many people had known about it. People had seen it. It had been shared. Some of my really close friends in the industry knew about it and never even talked to me about it. To this day, they haven't even messaged me since I published the piece to apologize because, you know, they were talking about it quite a lot. And nobody really knew, I guess, that this video had been made without my consent. The presumption was I was well up for it. I was in this video. It got leaked. Kind of very Kim Kardashian story, you know. Oh, wow. Bit of salacious gossip. Whereas what really was going on was I was completely violated. You know, the most intimate moment a woman can have was now out there. I was being slut shamed. I was literally going through hell. And to say that I was anxious during those times is an understatement. I honestly was having a panic attack every day because I was just, it's multi-layered because I was scared the video was going to get out. I was paranoid that everybody knew about it. Then I was dealing with the violation of a man that I trusted for years that he could do this to me. And then I was also dealing with this harassment that was online. So every day I was waking up to the nightmare over and over again. I can't begin to imagine the layers of anxiety and fear that all compounded for you around that time and still persist, you know, up until recently, until you were able to share it and kind of take back the narrative, I suppose. Um, would you say that up to that point, were you an anxious person to begin with? I mean, this would definitely create an anxious response in anybody, I can only imagine. 
Yeah, I'd had panic attacks when I was younger, but I hadn't, they wouldn't have been a consistent thing in my life, but I've always suffered from depression. And I suppose anxiety sometimes can be depression's ugly best friend kind of hanging around. So yeah, I definitely would have been anxious and I would have been panicky. I think everyone does have some level of anxiety, but I really hadn't been that way in quite a long time. Like probably since my parents separated, I was like 17. I remember having it really bad around then. So this is when I was 25. So it's a good bit on. So I had always kind of been struggling with my mental health. Um, but when this happened, it was just a whole new avenue. And like anyone that's listening, if they ever deal with anxiety as well as depression, when you have the two together, it's just so, it's a horrible so tough. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's horrible. And I always kind of describe depression, especially as like this kind of dark monster that lives inside me. But he's like asleep loads of the time. So I never know when he's going to come out. But when this happened, he just lived there for five years. Like he just would not leave. And it was because I was waking up with this actual rational fear, because I think for a lot of people, anxiety is irrational fears. You know, it's worries about what if it's anxiety for, for a lot of people and for myself included is very future oriented. It's always anticipation. It's a lot to do with what if thinking or catastrophic thinking. But here you are in a situation where I suppose anyone's worst fears have been realized so it's it's very a tangible anxiety and a very very valid concern that you can't just tell yourself not to feel or to just get over I mean how how did you speak to yourself in those few days when you were in Greece and this was happening were you compassionate with yourself or did you tear yourself apart Oh, I ripped myself apart. And it's like what you said there, a lot of people's anxiety kind of worried as a catastrophe that possibly could happen, whereas my catastrophe was happening right there, right then. So when it was actually happening too, I was in such a state of shock. And I said it in my piece that I had said to the man I was suicidal. And like, that wasn't something I, you know, easily threw into the piece. I thought about it. I took it out. I put it back in. I kept being like, should I really say this? But that is the reality. And it's not that I was sitting there planning, you know, to end my life, but I was sitting there being like, the only way out of this is if I'm not alive. Like, I can't wake up like this every day. How am I going to actually get through life and run my business and pretend this hasn't affected me and save face, which I think is such a huge problem when it comes to shame. Like, how am I meant to go on about my life when this was literally eating me up inside? And it was so difficult. Like there were some mornings I would wake up, like Greece is a blur at this point, to be honest. I was just having panic attacks in the streets, screaming, crying in the airport, crying in restaurants. But even when I got home, let's say six months later, I was still dealing with that level of torture. I was still waking up really panicked, really upset. I wouldn't go into work sometimes. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to be around people. And it was a mixture of like not wanting to be around people because I felt ashamed of myself that this kind of dirty rumor was going around. But also I was feeling so low and so lethargic and so sad that like I actually couldn't physically get out of bed it wasn't just a mental thing I didn't want to get up and do things I didn't want to see people and I was blaming myself all the time and I wish I could go back and change that way of thinking but I think a lot of victims in situations like revenge porn or you know sexual assault sexual abuse it is kind of the first thing in your head to say this is my fault and like I'm you know, you don't feel like you're a victim. You're like, this was done to me, but it's maybe it's because I did this or maybe it's because I did that. And like, what what if I done this that way? And you start going in the circle in your head. And I also had two people that were massively trying to control me and making sure I didn't go to the police or anything. So they were kind of saying things like, you know, you know, the man in question had said to me that like, this wouldn't have happened if you and her had just been getting on before then and kind of tried to blame me. So I started thinking those thoughts as well. So 
it's horrible. And especially with this situation in particular, it was so lonely because I never thought anyone would actually believe me if I said I didn't take part in this tape or I'm being harassed online. Like I just didn't think I was going to be believed. So it was even worse because I genuinely talked to nobody about it. I'm just like gobsmacked just hearing you speak. I just I can't imagine even emerging from my duvet cover. I just don't know how you did it. Um, And it makes me think, I mean, you were 25 and, you know, you were an adult, but it was, it tore you apart. I'm just thinking about someone who was maybe, you know, in school with social media and how easy sexting can happen. And they might think that they're safe by sending someone a picture. And I know you didn't, you weren't aware this was happening, but, you know, another young girl could send a picture and then a group of lads could share it around. I mean, I know that's happened before. And just that fear now with social media of being cancelled, I suppose, is not something that happens just to celebrities because, you know, anyone can, anything can be made viral or become public knowledge with the internet. And suddenly, no matter how much you know you're a good person, you can't control how other people perceive you. I just think of people going through it as a teenager. And you mentioned there about how you did get to that point where you felt like the only way out possibly was to end your life and You know, it's just heartbreaking to think that that could happen to so many young girls. But now with this legislation, so what does the legislation do and how have you been able to pursue anything with this now that things have changed? So I can't actually pursue anything now. Things change the way the law is in Ireland. Nothing is retrospective. So that wasn't really my purpose anyway, to be honest, for publishing the piece. But the new legislation is to protect women and men going forward. So basically, there's an unlimited fine and up to seven years in prison. And it's a very strict law in terms of if a girl sends a photo to their boyfriend, let's say, and the boyfriend sends it to his lad's WhatsApp group in jest, you know, not trying to harm her and not trying to hurt her. It doesn't actually matter what the reason is. It's, it's it's going to be seen as you are doing harm. And that's a really important part of the legislation. And I've been following this for so long because when this all happened, I was like, how is this not illegal? So like I had been talking to the Minister for Justice and I knew that this legislation was going to be passed this year. But about two years ago, it was actually brought to the doll. And like when it didn't get put through, I was just like, oh my God, like how is this still happening? And you were talking about younger people. Like there was this amazing girl, Roisin, who was on Joe Duffy this year. If anyone wants to listen back to it, she was on Liveline. And she was talking about how I think she was 17 and she slept with somebody um, and it was filmed by like her peers in school and it got shared everywhere. So you're dead right. Like there are way more harrowing stories than mine. Trust me, like I have had so many messages in the last couple of days and weeks from younger girls who are in a way... I suppose, less mentally stable position, even though I was all over the place and I was suffering from depression and anxiety. Like I, like you said, I was an adult. So like there was some part of me that was able to keep going and keep dealing with it. But this is happening to a lot of younger people too. And in the world of social media, like you probably know this yourself, teenagers now, like that's their entire world. So imagine logging on every day and seeing that. And that's what it was like for me because I'm in this industry. It's my job to be online. It's my job to go to events. So like I couldn't hide from it. And I definitely think, Younger people are feeling that too, but definitely when you're talking about there, the shame, like that's the part of all this that I suppose angers me the most. And the reason why I had to kind of keep it like a secret for so long. And I said this to you before, like I've been getting so many messages being like, you're so brave for sharing your story. And I'm like, why is it brave to just tell the truth? Like why is having sex such a dirty, big thing that could have ruined my reputation, that could have destroyed my life, that allowed someone to hold this over me and harass me and then later on get blackmailed by somebody else like why was it such a big deal like if sex and 
women especially, if they weren't shamed so much anyway, I don't think this type of blackmail or harassment would even exist. But I knew if this got out, if people heard about it, they would think the wrong thing. I knew if clients find out about it, they'd think the wrong thing. So that was always what my fear is. But it, it does make me think that the actual underlying problem is how women are seen in society and how this feeling of shame is put on the woman like it's very rare you'd ever hear of a man like even in rape trials in this country you know there's always so much debate like even in America when the Harvey Weinstein stuff was starting before that kind of all got underway so many victims were questioned and the instant thing is to not believe someone and I think every woman knows that for sure when something like this happens that they probably won't be believed and that fear is just there. How was the anxiety for you when you made a decision then to share that vulnerability? And I suppose in one way you were able to say, look, this is what actually happened. There must have been some satisfaction in that being able to take back the narrative. But then you're like breathing air into the story more and you're bringing it back to people's memories. If they, I mean, I had never heard of it. So and I, I said that to you on Instagram, just I wanted you to know that maybe the perception was that every single person in the industry knew about it and I didn't. And I just wanted you to know that I, you know, in yeah. any circles I was in, there was never a mention of it. And, you know, I would like to think that not everyone in the industry would be as, I suppose, horrible as to, to gossip about yeah. something like that without knowing the facts. When you, yeah, when you decided to share that vulnerability, was that something that came easy to you or were you like, okay, I'm going to actually, this, I'm going to be putting this out there again? No, it was really scary. And I actually decided to do this about five or six months ago. So I wrote the piece two months ago, but I had made a decision when I knew the legislation was coming in. Cause like I said, I'd been speaking to Helen McEntee, the minister for justice. When I knew that was coming, I knew it was going to be December. I kind of said to myself, I'm going to talk about this when this happens I'm ready. Like, I want the truth to be out there. I want to feel some sort of exoneration. But I suppose the most important thing for me was I wanted people to understand why the legislation was so needed in the first place and why it was important and what it actually, what actual trauma revenge porn can cause. So I knew I was going to talk about it. I knew I was going to write about it. Um, and then it basically, I think it was the 27th of, or the 28th of December, I just saw the president, uh, Michael D. Higgins, had signed it into law. So I didn't know it was going to happen that day. So the piece was there ready to go and I was sitting in my mum's house and I just kind of stood up and I was like, mum, like, you know, the way I told you, I'm going to, I was thinking about putting this out there and making it public. Like, I'm going to do it today. And my heart was like thumping through my chest. And she was like, are you sure? Like, because she had the same concerns that you're mentioning there. This is going to bring it back up. Maybe people will try to look for the video. Maybe it's going to be talked about. Maybe there's going to be people like yourself that never actually knew, but now they know. She was kind of worried, but I was like, you know what? There is nothing more that can hurt me with this story. Like, I don't care if everyone in Ireland finds out about it. If I can tell my truth, it will set me free. So I literally pressed publish. I was shaking. I didn't really look at the response straight away. I actually went upstairs and had a bath. And like, my heart was pumping so hard. I was just like, it's done now. It's out there. It's going to be fine. And then when I got out of the bath, I kind of turned my phone back on and... The response was overwhelming and even having one person reply being like oh my god thank you for sharing this what happened to you was so wrong like if I'd only got just one of those messages it would have been the same feeling I just I tried to explain it as well like on the Brendan O'Connor show like it's very strange but like I didn't think that by putting out this story it was going to free me of the trauma but it actually has and it's something I would definitely suggest to people that are going through any sort of trauma that they feel ashamed about it's actually keeping the secret and keeping it internal that makes it so much worse. You know, it's in your head. Like you said, maybe I thought everyone in Dublin knew about it. 
I had all these ideas in my mind and it was always this kind of heavy weighed down secret that was inside me. You know, if I met a guy and I was dating him, I'd have to tell him about it. I had to tell my dad about it. You know, I had to tell all my family about it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't fun. And there's a lot of anger and upset and worry and, you know, a lot of mixed feelings from my family. And like my little sister was with me when I was in Greece. So she actually saw it all happen firsthand. But since it all happened, especially after did Brendan O'Connor when my we were all kind of apart for that and my mom texted me and she was like you actually sound so much freer now like I, I'm honestly a different person since I, I published it because I don't have to hide something anymore and especially if, if you you know you know quite a lot about anxiety like having any sort of internal battle is horrible but something like this that's completely out of your control on top of having anxiety on top of having depression and when we talk about public shaming, like I've been a victim of that, not even just with the sex tape, but in general, owning goss.ie, there's been loads of things that have been said about me. Mad rumors have gone around. They're completely false. And every time something would happen, it triggered me back into this. So it was something that was constantly on my mind. Whereas now I feel like, what is someone going to do? Like, I feel like I've been through the worst. Like no one can threaten or blackmail me anymore because it's out there. There is no secret to un unveil. You know, there's nothing that's going to, try to ruin my life and the good thing is because I got to tell my side of the story I do feel like people are more compassionate about it whereas if, if, if people had heard oh Ali Ryan has a sex tape it would have been one way of thinking it would have been like all right she's in a slapper like she obviously was well up for it but when you break those boundaries kind of down and you're like no it's not about a girl being a slut or being promiscuous you need to actually ask yourself what happened and even if they were well up for a video does that mean they deserve to have it publicized no it, like it doesn't matter if you're well up for it at all yeah like you said earlier like the shame around sex and women having a sex life and wanting to have sex is still something we don't vocalize and what you were saying there about feeling like there was nothing else that could hurt you so I have a chapter in my new book about vulnerability the whole thing is kind of about vulnerability mm. and how in my experience and on a different, completely much less traumatic experience, when you, you're willing to kind of own your vulnerability, the mm. thing that you fear the most, we, we all fear sharing our vulnerability and we all have it in common. But when you're willing to kind of say, do you know what, I'm going to take this and I'm going to own it and I'm going to make it work for me instead of against me, you kind of become invulnerable because you're turning it on its head. You're taking the threat yeah. of being attacked and you're saying, no, I'm going to put it out there this way and own it and the thing is I was always like that with business this is what this is what was so weird about the last five years so like obviously with Goss and everything I've grown it you know the brand is really big now and I was doing so well with Goss but then in my personal life I was struggling so I was like giving talks to you know um, Enterprise Ireland candidates and I was like you know what's the worst that can happen when you start a business for me it's I'll end up back in my mum's and I have to start all over again it's not the worst thing but I couldn't translate that to my personal life because it was so traumatic I couldn't get that same message through to me but that is probably the one bit of advice I'd give to anyone and you obviously know this too when you own something whether it's depression and you haven't told anybody about it and you're you're really struggling with your mental health or it's anxiety or it's something like this someone is holding something over you or there's something traumatic that's happened talking about it and making it public doing what you think is the worst thing that's going to happen the fear goes away and then yes you're dealing with the situation like I was listening to that John Ronson um book that you suggested Caroline what's it called again so now you've been so you've been publicly, publicly shamed yeah yeah and a lot of what he talks about in that is the same thing it's nearly that the fear of something coming out is worse than actually what you've done and the problem with 
today's world in terms of like the Twitter mob and stuff, it angers me so much. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but on Goss, like we never run stories that are targeting people that are specifically against people. If there's the factual event that's taking place, we'll report it. But I hate this whole everyone jumping on everyone and people getting cancelled because you do have to ask your question, is the punishment the same as the crime? And that's why we have, you know, a legal system and we have a jury. But now in the way things are now with digital and social media, we're all acting as a jury all the time and we're not getting any evidence. You know, even if you look at Hillary Clinton, you know, that whole scandal about whether she had emails that were dodgy, that literally ruined the election for her because a little tiny seed was planted. Kevin Hart lost the Oscars because older tweets, you know, reappeared. And I'm not saying what he did and what he said wasn't wrong. They were wrong. But we have to ask ourselves, like, is it like, do we have the right to destroy someone's life, to take away their career, to ruin their reputation and I see it all the time especially with celebrities people's reputations ruined overnight and um, politicians having to step down overnight because of a tweet they sent four or five years ago and it just reminds me of what was happening back in like the 18th century or like back in the stone age and when people were being stoned to death because their peers felt what you did was wrong and I'm like how are we gone back full circle to this how are we allowed to be doing this like I definitely think you look at the Harvey Weinstein trial, for example, right? That is a piece of journalism that was needed. Like a wrong, a wrong needed to be righted there. You know, something serious happened. It was criminal. So when I see those kind of reports, I'm like, that's right. That's that was the right thing to do. But do I think hundreds and thousands of people should be on Twitter slamming people because they sent a tweet five years ago that they deeply regret? No. It's terrifying. I mean, obviously, both of us working in the media you know, you've been through the ringer. I am sometimes afraid to even commit to an opinion on some on Twitter or whatever. I don't yeah. even really use Twitter that much because I am so frightened of putting one foot wrong. And I don't think I could mm. be as strong as you and cope with if, you know, something did turn around and I got pinpointed as a particular kind of person or something. It's happened so many times though. This is the thing. And I think this situation, this situation probably made me stronger for that because I don't know if you remember, there was a couple of weeks ago, there was a story about um, an alleged story about a school that, you know, were telling their students not to wear tight leggings. Now, the whole report's kind of been questioned now and no one knows actually what was said or whatever. But I put up a tweeter at the time just saying, like, this is really similar to my Barrett campaign. So I had a campaign on Instagram just talking about gender inequality and sexism and how we shouldn't be focusing on how women dress. And I got over 145 messages from men, like so many. And they were all like, you're a slapper, put your clothes back on. And some of them were in the industry and they quoted my tweet and they were like, you're an absolute embarrassment. You're just getting attention for yourself. And I was really shook that time it was men most of the time it's actually women with slow timing but for this situation it was men and I get loads of people were angry about that story and they felt it was misreported but my point wasn't actually about the story it was about the general conversation around telling women what to wear but so many men and like they're in the industry I was looking at them a few people were following mutual friends of mine and I was just like what the hell and the things they were saying like some people message me on Instagram as well. You're an absolute disgrace. You're an attention seeker. You know, you're clearly a slapper yourself. Good luck. You're probably going to be on OnlyFans by the end of the week. And it, obviously that's distressing, right? And it's hard to hear stuff like that. But I've just been through this so many times. I've been sent so many forums to talk about me and make up rumors and say that I look like a slut or, you know, I don't dress well or whatever, that you kind of become so used to it. And I just replied to loads of those guys being like, thank you so much for your tweet because you've completely just... Uh, justified what I've said like you've proved my point because all these men weren't reading the captions I put up a photo in a pair of leggings basically with no top on I was covering my boobs you couldn't see them and that caused uproar so I guess I'm used to it in a way but like some things are still hurtful like there's loads of forums out there and like a huge part of what I want to do 
throughout my life is to get more legislation in place and to get sites shut down because there's so many forums I'll get sent screenshots loads of times being like there's this forum talking about you you know saying you look fat or saying you look like a slut or saying you've been sleeping with this guy and I'm like none of this and that's all women isn't it all women and this is the thing about my story I think people were really angry that a guy filmed me without my consent like that's number one that's horrific and never should have happened but number two is a woman held it over me and tried to literally ruin my life and the thing that I'm always trying to push home is that misogyny is in women and men it's in both of us it's a societal issue and that's why I was saying to you before we did this I like binge watch Bridgerton and it's all about 18th century life in, in England. And I'm so interesting watching it before doing this podcast because a lot of it has to do with shame and being publicly shamed. So it's kind of like Gossip Girl for the 18th century. But in it, if a man kisses a woman before they are to be engaged or to be wed, the woman's life will be ruined. The family's reputation will be ruined. And she basically will be unable to marry. What do you think happened to him? Nothing. He went around riding all the other girls and got married himself. So it was weird watching that because that seems that is so long ago. It's 18th century and that sounds so strange. But and it's actually, still relevant. I think that's still relevant. Yeah. Like I think slut shaming, even to this day, like if, you know, if I try to watch myself even and I, I watch people in WhatsApp groups, if they're saying, oh, the state of your one local top or did you hear such and such has been riding half a dozen? I'm kind of like, guys, you know, this is really wrong to be judging someone like this. You would happily sleep with a man that slept with hundreds of women. So why are we? I've kind of become better at that. I'm not saying I've always been perfect, but in the last few years, I've been like, this is where all these problems are starting. It's because women are calling each other sluts and whores. That's allowing men to say it more. And then that's allowing society to believe that that's the truth so I think when I was putting out the story my family were a bit worried that I may not have been believed and I may have I may have looked like a bit of a slapper or you know like it just wouldn't be a good thing for me to be associated with a sex tape in general even the fact that I was a victim wouldn't be bad but I think you know as a society we are moving forward and I've had nothing but positive responses but a big part of what I want to do in life is like number one like stop online harassment and bullying but number two to change people's view of women in general and like if you I saw your Sunday independent cover it was absolutely stunning and it was Thank so you. elegant but like imagine it was somebody else who people didn't really like they'd probably say oh put your clothes back on it's, it's really weird how Twitter works and how social media works planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sometimes I feel like it's only a matter of time where I'll just say something, you know, stupid or, you know, anything could happen. And suddenly you go, people love to build you up and then they love to see you fall. And it's really, really horrible. And it's such a driver of anxiety. And obviously, look, what we're talking about is very much you know, our experience in the media. But for people listening who aren't in this industry at all, it's the fear of what people will think about you. It's the fear of what you can control versus all that you cannot control. And you've had to learn the hard way to, like, you know, you're saying there about your family worrying about what if it made it worse? What if people didn't believe you? You couldn't control any of that. All you could control yeah. was what you put out there, how you articulated yourself and and really what you believe about yourself. And I don't know how you've done it, but obviously you're at the point now where you've got such a strength in you that you can turn down the volume on what people's perceptions might be and really trust and know yourself and really only kind of focus on the people who you really value and what they think of you. How do you get around the anxiety of being so wrapped up in what people think of you? Because this is probably common to so many listeners. It honestly has taken me a long time and I'm still not perfect. I do obviously sometimes care about what people think. Like when I did the bear campaign during the summer, I was kind of wondering what people thought. So I did look at one of those forums that kind of slam people on social media and I shouldn't have done it. And even though I'm such a strong person and I'm in a good place, it really shook me when I read it because there were so many lies on it. And I remember messaging my friends and I was like, oh my God, have you seen this stuff? And they hadn't seen it. And it was so personal and it was so hurtful. And I was just like, God, this has ruined my weekend. And I shouldn't have looked at it. So like, it's not that you ever, I think, get over it, but you have to have such a strong sense of yourself. So like, it upset me for like a day or two and then I got over it. Whereas five years ago, when I started out in the industry and things started getting said about me or when the sex tape was going around, I cared so much. Like it was my entire world crumbling around me if people didn't like me. So now I'm at a point where, and I definitely think turning 30, it's so weird. I remember always hearing this on podcasts and interviews. When you turn 30, like you'll love your body. You'll feel like you truly are who you are. And I was like, oh, whatever. But I swear since I've turned 30, this is when I kind of turned the corner. It's really weird. Even if you told me that like 20 of your friends have messaged you saying that they think I'm this or thinking that, I'd be a bit annoyed, but I'd be like, all right. And I would just head off about my day again. So I'm definitely at a point where I know who I am. And I think a good part of telling the story was accepting my truth and putting the truth out there instead of just telling myself it all the time. And you know the way you're saying you're kind of worried sometimes about Twitter. Like I have been like that too, but I've kind of gone the other way and I'm just like, no, I'm going to be very opinionated and I'm going to say what I want and I'm going to embrace my views. And if I hurt someone or say the wrong thing, I'll apologize or I'll backtrack. But normally what I say is exactly how I felt, how I feel. I don't think I've ever backtracked on anything. And this year it's kind of worked in my favor. Like the more I've been talking out about things, I've been doing radio all year. I've been doing TV because I just haven't held back. Like even in terms of COVID, like, and I don't want to go into all this stuff, but like I've been very vocal online about staying safe and stuff. And so many people have unfollowed me like in the industry and so many other people that aren't in the industry have unfollowed me too. But I'm just this person now where I'm like, this is who I am and I'm very accepting of it and I've been through hell and I've come back and to go through so many t- difficult things and jump so- through hoops and hurdles not just with the sex tape but with Goss and having a business on my own and 
when I was in secondary school, I was really badly bullied. Like there's a lot of different things that I've been through and it's taken me probably until turning 30 to actually just look at everything and learn from it. And just, I guess the biggest lesson for me has been all that matters is what you think. And I remember I actually went to the Pendulum Summit. I don't know if you've ever been to that. No. It's really good. They have like people from The Secret there. They have business owners. It's basically this huge conference um, with loads of people who just talk to you about their lives and their business and how they do things. But I remember there was one year I went and this man like asked all of us all to close our eyes in the audience. Say there was 300 of us. And he was like, you're on your deathbed and you're looking back over your life. Are you glad you made this decision or that decision? Do you regret this decision or that decision? And he was like, that person on your deathbed, he was like, that is the only person that matters in your life. When you're lying on your bed, you're not going to be thinking about what other people thought. And I literally started crying when I had my eyes closed. I was like, oh my God, why do we spend our whole life worrying what our friends think, our parents think, our colleagues think? Because he, he was right. When we're, we're about to end our life and we look back, we're going to be like, did I take that opportunity? Was I happy? Did I live my life to my best ability? Did I tell the truth? Like, was I a good person? And that's actually all that matters. And I remember hearing that. It's probably about two years ago. And I really took it on board. And I think about it sometimes when I get really anxious. If I think people are talking about me or I'm worried about something that's going to come out or not come out or there's a rumor that's not true. I'm like, does this actually matter to me? Like, I know what the truth is. And that's really helped me, to be honest, in moments of complete despair and anxiety. I think about what I'm going to think when I'm like 92, about to say goodbye to the world. And I know that I won't look back going, God, I can't believe that WhatsApp group chatted about me. I'm going to be like, why wasn't I happier that year? Why did I sit at home crying about that? It's very easy to say these things because, as you know, like there's days you'll have and I won't think that way and I'll feel horrible. It's not easy all the time, but I do try to really focus on that way of thinking. And especially with anxiety, you know, the key thing is to be in the moment and to kind of ignore the noise. And for that, what I do is I talk to myself. I just try not to think about anything. And I'm like, right, sometimes I'll delete my apps off my phone as well. If if social media is overwhelming or there's a lot of opinions out there. I'll turn it off and I'm like, what do I want? And and I'm, no one is perfect. This is the thing, like I could easily make a mistake or do something wrong. And then it's up to me to fix that and own that. But it's not up to the general public to tell me I've done something wrong. It's up to me. Like, And I think what's happening now in this kind of modern age is people of all ages are relying on social like we're relying on tinder to tell us if we're hot or not we're relying on twitter to say if our opinion is true we're relying on instagram to see if we're pretty you know it's it's gone insane and i think the most important thing for younger people is to really understand that all that stuff is just noise and like it doesn't matter if you're on instagram or not it doesn't matter if your opinion gets loads of uh, likes on twitter what matters is you go to sleep at night and you're happy with who you are and i think it takes a long time to get to that point but that is definitely where i am now yeah I mean it sounds like you've done a lot of work on really kind of honing in on your self-worth and how you measure it and I think we all strive to measure our self-worth and all the things that really matter such as you know what we want our legacy to be when we die or what our values are what what's important to us in life our family and that kind of stuff but it's so hard as human beings not to find that your self-worth gets measured against these completely you know variable things outside of our control that are external factors and when that happens you know the goalposts keep shifting and our self-worth keeps fluctuating and I you know I'm still trying to figure it out myself really how to kind of have that barrier around myself and not have any negativity that's something that's so beyond my control not have that rock my kind of core 
feeling of strength because really then that's when you get to the point of being really invulnerable I think it sounds like you have even though you, you might not be aware of it but it sounds like you practice this kind of exercise that I do a lot called um factor opinion and it's a CBT exercise where when you know your mind starts to run away with you and um think about well what if these people could be saying or whatever if you like write down pen and paper well what it what is fact here and what is just opinion or what is you know what evidence is there to back up the facts and you know if you can make your facts be well the facts are I've got my family the facts are I know that I'm a good person and what evidence is there to back up that you know that's true and that kind of helps sometimes just take the anxiety out of your head and I think that's very important for other people listening to to apply because it's not about getting to a point where you don't ever feel anxious because of course you're going to feel anxious or worried about what people think of you it's in our DNA we're like we're hardwired to worry what people think about us because back in hunter-gatherer times if people didn't like us we could be thrown out of our tribe and our survival would be at risk so we're not going to change that deeply ingrained nature but we can understand it and we can understand like the negativity bias and you know I'm trying as well now to realize like just a while ago I don't know if you would have seen but I am I've been sharing like really honestly my experience having become a new mother and some people most people are like thank you so much for sharing but some people are obviously offended that I'm not saying it's just an incredible miracle every day you know sometimes I've been like it's really really hard I just don't know how people like it's so hard with sleep deprivation and you know I would share the highs and the lows I'm sitting here covered in sick and I'll do a story I'm not just all glam all the time (laughs) and someone sent a message to my husband Barry over Christmas and didn't message me and said and I had shared a video it was like a funny video that I thought was funny of we were like all dressed up in our Christmas gear and Caelan my baby was like roaring crying because he just was not in the mood and he was teething and I was like lol full of the festive spirit here and she was like you know your wife needs serious help you know she's I'm absolutely appalled by what I'm seeing and how she's your, your child is in danger and even though this was just one crazy person, I fell apart for about three days and I couldn't go on yeah. social media. And I was like, Barry, I don't think I'm cut out for this because here I am on one side being, oh, I share my vulnerability and I own it and this is who I am. But then if one person in a stream of a thousand positives, I absolutely crumbled. And I always ask everyone how it is that they turn down that volume. But the thing is as well, and I say this to a lot of people because I think it surprises people, like I would have a lot of friends that are, you know, extremely famous right just from the industry that I'm in and I can tell you hand on heart that there's some of the most famous people richest people in the world that are the exact same as you that would be wobbled by one message and we just don't think that other people feel that way and that's why I think it's so important that you're even doing this podcast and you're talking about it because I remember even with the Prince Harry and Meghan Markle stuff there was a lot of people close to Harry saying he was on Twitter all the time reading all the stuff and like you or I could comment on their relationship and never in a million years think Prince Harry was reading our tweets but the reality is he was like there is no one I have never ever met a single famous person that says they see it all as noise in their grand they will always get a little bit of a wobble but then they will get back up again but it does affect them they care what people think it's just a part of our sociology it's hugely societal but it is a part of who we are we do care but messages like that like I remember when Chrissy Teigen opened up about the loss of her baby like it was horrific she shared very honest photos you know from inside the ward when she lost her child she got so much backlash for that and so much hate and that was very confusing to me just as it is confusing that your husband got that message like in doing what she did she would have helped millions of women all over the world who are kind of also with miscarriages I feel feel ashamed and feel embarrassed in a different way to what I did but it's the same kind of hush hush don't talk about it but yet there were so many people in society that felt what she was doing was wrong so I think that's the battle all the time is 
we want to be honest, we want to share, but there's so many other, especially women, I think, um, in Ireland that will disagree with it. So that woman probably saw your video and probably has had a similar experience with her children, but she doesn't think it's right that you're sharing it. And that's where the debacle starts. But personally, I think the right thing to do is share more because the more we see kind of the imperfect life or the imperfections on a body, the more happier people will be in general. So it's hard when you get a message like that and you feel attacked and trust me like I said I probably sound really strong in this I've had messages before and I've bawled my eyes out it never goes away but it's just how you bounce back from it and for you I hope you took that message in a way to actually push you to even be more vulnerable and push it out there more because that just goes to show that there's so many people out there that are still judgmental about mothers and judgmental if a mom's having a hard time and the reality is every mom is I don't know any mother who says their pregnancy was a joy and the first two years were, were grand and if anyone thinks that, then they're lying. <laughs> and I think, you know, whatever it is we're going through, everyone might be listening, coming from a completely different perspective. But I never thought it required bravery either because I'm just such an open book. But it does require bravery yeah. if you're going to be met with these reactions because you're going to have to take one for the team in, in, in your effort to be vulnerable and normalise what we all go through. And when we do normalise what we all go through, we take the pressure off. And when we all kind of think, hang on, I go through that too our experience, our collective experience of anxiety will come right down. So I think from what I'm hearing from you, I mean, there's two sides to it. There's working on how you perceive the way others will perceive you and trying to let go of what you can't control and focus on what you can. But then there's the actual proactive role where we have to not just passively you know, let people be judgmental, but say, hang on, this isn't like, what if that was you? Or that's that celebrity you're bitching about that, like that you're tweeting about, that's a, an actual human being, especially because we've been in the experience where we've been on the receiving end of some negativity. I think we need to proactively, you know, change conversations to make them be less about just tearing people apart because that's where the anxiety is coming from. Yeah. And also, like I said, there's obviously so many people listening that aren't in our industry, but being on Twitter with, you know, 9000 followers is the same as being in a small village and everyone talking about you. So it's kind of the same depending on your circumstance. But obviously, like 2020 is the year that Caroline Flack, you know, took her own life. And there was such conversations about be kind and what that meant. And obviously, as a news publication, too, I was like, we need to just have a conversation about it. Now, we we're, like I said, we never go after people. We, we we did report the factual events of what happened that she was arrested and all that stuff, but there was a lot of question marks over the media. But the more I looked into kind of the stuff, the backlash she was getting, it was all people on the internet. It was people literally ashing her on Twitter and calling her low life, calling her scumbag, saying she deserved to be in jail. And there was about four weeks, I feel, of like calm where everyone was like, you know, let's just be kind. Let's just think about it. But honestly, it's all gone now again. It's so frustrating for me that people haven't learned from it because the reality is people don't understand what someone's mental health is actually like. So you could be like, oh, feck this person, the state of them, she watched it was wrong and not know that like her mother had died yesterday or something tragic had happened. But I hate that something like that needs to be known in order for people to feel sorry for them. Like now they feel sorry for Caroline because she's dead. But why was it okay? It shouldn't have been okay in the first place. And I remember when, you know, Bloggers Unveiled was huge. So many of us were like, it's going to take someone to die for this to end. And I I know it's so morbid, but that's what a lot of us were saying. Like I was on that, I think six times. And this was all while the sex tape stuff was still on my mind. So I was very nervous about it. And I said in my piece, I actually got blackmailed when Bloggers Unveiled was big, not by Bloggers Unveiled, but a guy said he had the video and he was going to send it into them. And it was again, I was like, it was the fear of being publicly shamed. And like all the stuff that went up in bloggers and well about me were completely inaccurate, but I was too scared to even mention it. Like this is the second time only I've ever said the name on a podcast or anything. Like I said it on Brendan, 
but I've never even named it because I was always so scared. Oh God, what if they share something? Oh God, so many influencers were terrified. Like everyone was really scared and it was ridiculous because people were getting vin- like totally villainized over really small things. Like people were, and when, when I say things, like when Bloggers Unveiled happened, if something went up at me, I would probably get like 500 followers in an hour and I would get all these angry messages no evidence no proof just how they felt you know you should be ashamed of yourself like you're this you're that you're whatever and I'd literally be sitting at home alone in my apartment just being like what is happening and this was all while the sex tape stuff was happening too so it has taken me a few years of being rocked to the actual inch of my core to actually get back up again but I think a lot of people who would be in whatsapp groups or forums or the likes of bloggers and veil that were kind of enjoying this or taking part in it it's very hard for people to be empathetic and actually put themselves in our shoes, but that's what people have to do. And that's what I did with the Caroline thing. When that all happened, I was like, God, she must have literally been going through hell. But I just don't know if anyone has learned from it. Cause like I've been, like I said, I've been sent forums talking about me and talking about a lot of, especially the influencers, they get such a tough time, you know, just for walking down the street, they're, they're judged. Oh, it's horrible. Like I get nervous when I get more followers because I feel I'm going to get to the point where you, you know, there's going to be however much percentage of hate and however much percentage of people like actually following you because they like you, yeah. but people hate following you. Like I, it's, it's scary. It's really scary how, how cutting people can be behind a keyboard. But that's why I think the day-to-day working on yourself, like you said, is so important because like I've, Kendra, my editor, she's also like one of my best friends. Like she's seen some of the messages and sometimes she's like, Ali, like I actually don't know how you get out of bed sometimes. Like when things are really bad, even the sex safe stuff was happening and I was getting called out all for all these random things. She was like hurting even more than I was because she couldn't believe the kind of things that were being said. Yeah. But I think it does take going through those things to realize what's important and what's not. And it's annoying that I had to learn these lessons in a very tough way, but I have learned them now. And like I said, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not thinking, what are all these people thinking about me who are sitting at home with their kids, probably not following their dreams like I have? Why does it matter to me what they think? And the reality is it doesn't and it shouldn't. And like when I did the story about the sex tape, the Irish mirror put it on the front page. I had no idea they were doing that. They basically were like, oh, we want to take a few quotes from your piece. I was like, oh, yeah, no problem. And then it was like, front page, my sex tape hell. I was like, oh, God. I was like, everyone's going to be like, what the hell? And my family were like, oh, my God, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, like, whatever. Like, it's bringing light to an important topic. So that's how I see things now. Like, yes, I have hate and it won't end. I'm sure I'll tweet something again that people disagree with. But for me, it's like as the platform grows and the more I'm on radio, the more I'm on TV, all that's important to me is that I'm using the platform in the best way. And you know, I'm talking about things that aren't being spoken about and I'm reassuring people who are going through bad times. So in a way, I'm kind of glad I've gone through so much because when I published the piece, like so many people got in touch saying they'd been through the same and they like, didn't know how to talk about it. They didn't have the words to express their feelings. And that when they read the piece, they're like, now I know what to say. I have the words now. And it actually made me so sad that like there's all these people suffering in silence. So I think it's the same with you. Like it's amazing the way you're using your platform like you're a beautiful successful woman like it's it's easy to look at you and think she has the life she has her husband has her child has her book deals so to hear you talk so honestly about being vulnerable and the realities of what it's like to deal with anxiety like it helps people all this does is help more people I'm sure there's people that get annoyed when I share stuff maybe when you share stuff but there's more people that will benefit from it than will be annoyed so that's what drives me and I think if you're someone that's listening and you're not in the public eye, but you're in a small village or you're getting harassed in a workplace, you feel bullied or talked about. It's the same. It's the same methods, really, of just looking into yourself and remembering what's important and also speaking out and telling the truth. Like 
I've had so many people message me saying that things are happening in workplaces. That's been one of the biggest things. And like keeping like, go to your HR, go to your manager, talk about this. People who harass or blackmail or bully, they do it because they think you're never going to say anything. And I think sharing this story and you sharing yours, it proves that telling the truth and talking about things will only make things better. And I wish I could go back in time and say that to myself because maybe I wouldn't have you know, stayed so silent for so long, but it took it took this time to learn. And I'm sure you were the same because you were battling your anxiety for a long time before you spoke out about it too. Yeah, I mean, it got to the point where I said, the only way I'm going to be able to cope at all is if I say, hands up, this is what I'm going through. Because like you say, the pressure cooker of just trying to keep it all inside eventually is going to blow off. And not only are you taking the pressure off yourself when you vocalize something, but you're actually, like you say, you're going to help a lot of people who are maybe unable to do it for themselves. Yeah. I think what you've done is incredibly brave and I'm I'm and it's shit that it requires bravery to be you know open about something that's so normal and having sex and that's totally fine and you have a healthy sexual appetite you know these are not things that you should be shamed for um but I think you're gonna have made a massively positive difference um to, to anyone who's in a similar experience but also to anyone who just gets eaten up by what people think about them um and really yeah. to, like you say to bring it back to that that whole visual and hold it in your head as grim as it might be to like imagine yourself on your deathbed and think will I care about that tweet you know and just to constantly bring your attention back towards that which really matters yeah it's helped me so much like I do small things like I'm sure you have as well like the calm app you know that SOS option like I used to use that so much there's little things that I do but I have to say it's that one that has helped me the most long term because sometimes when you have a panic attack or you're anxious you just need a quick fix and that's brilliant but I think it's really important you work on yourself all the time and like go to counseling too like I've honestly been in counseling since I was 13 I was really body bullied in school so I started going then and I still go now so I've been going for so long and even when weeks are good I'm still like no I'm gonna go this week and I go to a psychoanalytical therapist so with that it's just talk therapy basically you just talk 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 and it always helps because everyone always has problems and there's so many people that are against therapy but then they're suffering and I'm like you need to just talk about this so well did you hear that quote that we're all in therapy because the people in our lives won't go to therapy (laughs) (laughs) yeah this thing hurt people hurt people I totally believe that and even with this story like you know when we talk about publicly shaming and all that stuff I easily could have written this piece and named both of those people and feel vindicated in that people would tag them and maybe they'd lose their jobs now and all this kind of stuff but that's not what this was about and I don't think that's what these kind of stories should be about about vengeance no you don't want to perpetuate the hate forward to other people no I wouldn't I wouldn't wish the things that happened to be my worst enemy and you know that person in that story is my worst enemy and I would never do to her what she did to me and that's the reality I think to heal it's about telling the truth and being honest and being vulnerable it's not about getting back or getting even and that's never something I've ever wanted and I know I'm a good person and that's the way I am so I think whenever I've heard rumors about me and it's not just about to tape like other rumors like I've seen people say that you know apparently I'm horrible to work for like all this kind of stuff I know that that's so untrue and I know who I am as a person and it still hurts me to think maybe there's people out there that think oh Ali Ryan's a bitch but I have to get to this place where I'm like, I know I'm a good person. My actions prove that. My words prove that. My friend circles, my family, like that's all that matters. And unfortunately, whether you're in the public eye or not, people will love to gossip. And I think in Ireland in particular, and I've traveled so much, 
Ireland in particular is so bad for begrudgery. So anyone who's doing well in life or, you know, has the right guy or is very pretty, unfortunately, they are the type of woman that's going to be torn down. And I think they say that in episode one of Bridgerton um, when this girl is kind of um, specifically called out by the queen. Everyone's like, oh, she's a diamond of the season, but like she's going to be torn down now. And that's why I think these issues of shame, revenge porn, harassment, blackmail, all these forums it's always women. I'm not saying there's no stories about men. Of course there is, but predominantly women are the ones that suffer. So I think a big thing as well as working on ourselves is actually taking accountability. And I've done it too. I've been like, God, I shouldn't have said that in that WhatsApp group. Like I shouldn't have said that bitch remark. And I think it's going to take a long time, but I want to be in a world where when I have kids and my daughter grows up, that she's going to be able to be herself and be with who she wants and wear what she wants and tweet what she likes and not be scared that her whole reputation, that her job, that she could lose everything just because she said something people disagree with. And I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's what I would love to see. And I think anxiety in general would really help. It would definitely diminish it if we weren't so scared of what if and what if this and what if I get judged for that. Imagine if that was taken away. Like, I just think people would be so much more calm. I know I couldn't agree more Ali Ryan thank you so so much for coming on here and sharing your story and so much amazing insight into how we might cope better with worrying about these things and what people think of us and judgment and there's so much in it we could talk all day um, I really wish you luck with all of your endeavours towards normalising these things I think it's brilliant what you're doing I know you've had to go through something really horrible but you're turning it around now and you're going to help so many people I've loved chatting to you and yeah I really appreciate it so thank you so much thanks for having me up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.